TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studio. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. All right, uh, we've got a busy day in college football. Shoot, we've still got a couple of games going on. I've got Fresno State, San Diego State on right now when uh, the Bulldogs have a 20-7 to lead with a minute and change to go here in the first half. You know I'm a Jake Hainer fan, the uh, quarterback of uh, Fresno State. Maybe that'll be the first question I ask my uh, next guest. He covers college football on a day-in, day-out basis for collegefootballnews.com. Pete Futak joins me on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing these days, Pete? I'm doing just fine. I, you know, fun day, interesting stuff. Now it's, you know, it's where we get to November, and then it really gets important and serious. And it's, uh, it's this, this thing is starting to kind of whittle down fast when it comes to the teams that are left to possibly be in uh, the playoff world and all that. And there's a lot of big normal names up there, but it's certainly been an entertaining run so far. It has. Uh, Let me get your take on the fact that Tuesday's a big day because it's the first of the bowl committee's rankings. We look at the AP and the coaches every single week, and we draw conclusions from it, and we debate about it. And truth be told, it means nothing because the only thing that matters is the uh, committee's uh, rankings, and they'll come out for the first time on Tuesday. Do you think they'll be in accordance with what we've been looking at the, at the coaches in the AP? Do you think they've got a uh, curve up their sleeve that we're going to be surprised by? What do you expect out of the uh, first ratings that really matter coming up on Tuesday? Yeah, and the thing about this, you're dead on right. I mean, this isn't like the BCS era where the poll and bowl or uh, all that mattered were the AP and coaches' polls, which – now you're really kind of based in a, on a flawed system of judges. So at least this one's a little bit more concrete. I've been through the system. I used to work with the college, working for the college football playoff people. I know how this rolls. And the thing to keep in mind is that it's a snapshot of the moment. And so unlike the AP and coaches polls where they come up with their, their poll and rankings to start the season, team wins, team moves up, team loses, team moves down. What the college football playoff rankings are is they rank them 1 to 25 each week, or actually more to the point of 25 to 1, 
and then they throw them out the next week. So it's just a snapshot of the moment. And then even if it does, however it shakes out, all that really matters is this. Did you win your Power 5 Conference Championship, and did you go undefeated doing it, or did you do it with one loss? Because if you did that, you're going to get in the college football playoff. There's only been one time it didn't happen. That was Ohio State when it got destroyed by Purdue, if I got my memory right on that. Notre Dame was undefeated, so it was an outlier there. So realistically, if you're 12-1 and and you win a Power 5 Conference Championship, you are in. So until that happens, everything else is just a lot of fun exercises just to get in shape for the real thing in a few weeks from now. So let's say Cincinnati runs the table. And yeah. the last couple of weeks they won, but they haven't blown out opponents that you thought they're going to. When they had their shot against Temple, they, uh, I think they had fifty points and a half, or it just seemed that way because I was watching the game. And sure. they did exactly what they were supposed. To. It was supposed to be a blowout. Last two weeks, not so much. They're not a Power Five conference now. They can go undefeated, nope. but you did say Power Five. Um, how is it going to play if there are four teams that meet your criteria and Cincinnati is undefeated? That's going to be the question. I did the poor radio guest thing by not actually answering your question of what's going to be the thing to watch for. And Cincinnati's going to be it. And the thing about the the, can, uh, the Cincinnati thing is that. The committee loves big, giant wins, and it's always kind of been my beef with how the committee does this thing, at least until the very end, is they don't give enough credit for good losses, and they give way too much credit for big, giant wins. Example being that, let's say you, like last year, for example, Texas A&M had one loss. That one loss was to an all-time great Alabama team in Tuscaloosa. So just because they happen to play Alabama – they didn't go undefeated because Alabama would have beaten anybody last year. And so they don't give enough credit to that as opposed to, say, Cincinnati going on the road and beating Notre Dame. So if Notre Dame keeps winning and they keep winning out, they're going to give a whole lot more credit to that one win than they will to, say, struggling against two teams in back-to-back weeks like Navy and Tulane, neither of which have beaten an FBS team. They both have one win, one, one win each. And they might put Cincinnati in the top four just because they're going to like Notre Dame, not like they're going to like Cincinnati. Now, that's going to change once we get deeper and deeper in this because the problem is the schedule just isn't good enough. I think it's like 106th in the country strength of schedule. And there's something to be said for the weekly grind of a Power 5 schedule. It's the body blows that accumulate. And you might say, okay, of course, Cincinnati could beat you know, a Florida, it could beat a Michigan, but okay, do that and then go next week and beat Ohio State or go next week and beat Auburn and then beat LSU and then beat, uh, you know, Purdue and on and on and on. You're seeing how these Power 5 games are stacking up each week. It's just not a fair comp for Cincinnati who, you know, beat a bad Indiana team, find him credit and has one win as opposed to all these other teams that have to go through it week and week by week. That is a fair way to look at Cincinnati, and uh, they were my pick to be the uh, fly in the punch ball when the season started for the BCF playoffs, and right now they still are. We're talking to Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, the Michigan State win over Michigan today. Two undefeated teams, both uh, had had won uh, key games, but hadn't been uber impressive. And you've still got Ohio State on both of their schedules yet to come. 
What happens if Michigan State if Michigan State runs the table? They have to be in the playoffs because they're going to have to oh, be no, Ohio no. State in the regular oh, season, no. and then win their college championship. They're a lock if they run the table, right? And so is Michigan, by the way. And if don't they discount Michigan isn't dead. If Michigan runs the table and Michigan State were to somehow lose twice, then Michigan would be in. And then the argument would then be: Let's say Michigan State runs the table. And let's say Michigan also wins out, including a win over Ohio State. The argument's going to be made that 13-0 Michigan State, Michigan's only loss was to you know Michigan State on the road. It could still be in. So Michigan's not dead yet. But you're right. A 12-1 uh, or an undefeated Big Ten champion is absolutely 1,000% in the college football playoff no matter what. All right. If we get to it at the end of the season, if Ohio State runs the table and they win out, and Oregon does the same. Oregon's uh-huh. got the head-to-head win over Ohio State. Now, I think Ohio yeah, State yeah. Has, has actually been more impressive in the way that they've gotten to their one-loss season than Oregon has. But does head-to-head rule the day? If that's the fourth and final spot, does the team that won the head-to-head matchup in a non-conference game get the, the spot in the Final Four? You, you caught me exactly before I should have corrected myself. You're absolutely right, because – that actually, Ohio State doesn't necessarily. Like, the one weird thing that could happen is what happens if Wake Forest goes undefeated, which I don't think it will, but it still is a crazy thing that could happen out there that let's say Oklahoma goes undefeated, or even a one-loss Big 12 team's probably in it, but let's say Oklahoma goes undefeated. Let's say uh, Wake Forest goes undefeated and Georgia goes undefeated and Oregon wins out. I've been disappointed by the college football playoff committee before because, to me, winning at Columbus would be would kind of trump everything else. If you're the Pac-12 champion and you're one win uh, and you did the thing, you did. You are a 12-1 Power 5 champ and you beat Ohio State at Ohio State, I think they would put in Oregon over Ohio State, even if Ohio State was blowing everyone else away. The more realistic scenario would be Oregon wins out, Oklahoma wins out, and Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, and both of them are 12-1, and one, and both of them are in. Ohio State might be out in that scenario. Well, it could be that way. Uh, does Oregon need the Pac-12 to pick it up a little bit here? I know the only you know, thing that's left are conference games, but no one else wows me in that conference, and just winning the Pac-12 doesn't score as many points as if Ohio State beats Michigan State regular season, beats Michigan regular season, and then beats whoever's on the other side of the conference in the championship game, uh, I would certainly, uh, as of right now, I'm more impressed by what Ohio State has done. And at the end of the season, if they both win out, I will absolutely be more impressed with what Ohio State has done. That one game will make the difference and get Oregon in? I think so. Well, think, first of all, be in the being impressed by what Ohio State has done, what have they really done? You know, I know it sounds crazy, but the Penn State win was good tonight. It wasn't great. I mean, Penn State just lost to Illinois before this week. They rocked, and Ohio State before this, rocked Akron and Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana. You know, that's not that great. Now, to your point, if they roll and just destroy Michigan State and Michigan, it's going to be kind of a hard argument. So, uh, But I still think, at the end of the day, Again, like I mentioned before to start this, the college football playoff committee loves big, giant wins more than anything else. And if you're looking at this at the end of the year 
and you're saying, wait a minute, okay, Ohio State did all this. Oh, but wait, Oregon beat the team that beat the teams that did all that. I still think uh, Ohio State, just to feel comfortable, could use another Oregon loss. And it looks like this team, they're just flaky enough where they're probably going to have one. All right, so let me ask you about style points. And some people think there's no such thing, and some people think it doesn't matter. Personally, I always have and still do. Uh, Ohio State put up a 45 spot in their win over Minnesota the first week before they lost to Oregon. Then they come back and win by three touchdowns over Tulsa and 52 points over Akron and 40 points over Rutgers and 50 points, 66 to 17 over Maryland before beating Indiana last week by 47 points. They're, they're blowing teams out. Does that not count for anything? Well, who are they beating? Again, like, look at those teams you look So the on. score means yeah. nothing. It's just the W and yeah, the L. It does. It, 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 it absolutely does because, of course, perception matters. But it's kind of, what you're kind of going at here is, like, I'm dogging you know, them beating Indiana. I'm dogging them beating Maryland. Cincinnati, go blow out a bad team already. You know, that's, that, that's kind of going to be the debate on the other side is that if you're, like, Cincinnati – if it, you know, if you're playing a, a mediocre schedule, you got to rock the one-win team with a true freshman quarterback, a third-string true freshman quarterback. You got to rock that team 52 to three. You know, you go out there and be so amazing that the college football playoff committee says, "Yeah, you got the win over Notre Dame, and you're just rim rocking everyone else. We want to see what you can do on the biggest of the big level." But to Cincinnati's point, and here's the here's the big thing that happened today to kind of bring this home is they just need teams to keep losing. So, for example, Pitt losing today knocks them out. Ole Miss losing today knocks them out. Iowa it gets knocked out. Kentucky is knocked out. Now, none of those teams are realistic, but they were all teams that still had a path to getting into the college football playoff by winning out. So, and week on a week by week basis, as more and more teams get eliminated. That just kind of helps the cause. And the other thing that, to keep in mind here, I think we're, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, I think it's the eighth year of the college football playoff. We have yet to have a, a bizarre twist in a conference championship game. We have yet to have like a three-loss team beat the you know 11-1 or 12-0 team in a conference championship to throw a real curveball into this system. <laughs> so uh, we're way overdue for something like that to happen. So if you're Cincinnati, style points absolutely should matter because you're not going to put them in over a Power 5 conference champion if Cincinnati keeps kind of limping along and just kind of outlasts the, the really bad teams like, they're, like they've been doing over the last few weeks. We're talking to Pete Futak from collegefootballnews.com about a busy college football day and where we're going forward with the committee coming out with its first rankings on Tuesday. Um, we're debating on who's going to get in, who's not going to get in. Can Georgia just sit back and go, yeah, and everybody just come through uh, our neck of the woods because we're not losing anybody. We're, we're going to beat Alabama, and then we're just going to take on our next two opponents. Doesn't matter who they are. We've got one of the best college defenses we've seen in a decade or two. They got right to be that cocky at this stage? Absolutely. And, and now is where you have the high-rent district problems where – they won today easily because their defense was awesome. The question go, it's going to kick in the rest of this year is, can they win the national championship 
with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. He's functional, he's serviceable, and he's better than he was last year, and he has a rushing element to the mix that JT, Bear, uh, JT Daniels doesn't. The difference is that JT Daniels is an NFL quarterback and Stetson Bennett isn't. And Kirby Smart made this mistake before. Now, it certainly wasn't his fault or the, of making the quarterback call on um, – uh, uh, Jake Fromm, forgive me, for, for over Justin Fields. Right. Jake Fromm came within a uh, heartbeat away from winning a national championship, but he sat, he did not develop the NFL quarterback, and he kept Jake Fromm uh, in the mix there for in the national championship game. So this is great for now. Georgia's going to roll through the rest of its schedule. It might have a little, you know, kind of quirky twist at Tennessee because that offense is fun, but they should be fine. They got to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. At least they should beat Alabama just to get them out of the way because you don't want to see that team coming back at you in the college football playoff. And so the big question going forward is everything else is in place. You got the defense, you got the offensive line, you got the running game. Do you have the quarterback who can win you the national championship? JT Daniels is the talent who can do that. The question mark is still out there when it comes to Stetson Bennett. All right, we got a couple more questions for Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, since it's the last time that it will matter, and then it becomes completely irrelevant, it's pretty damn irrelevant now, it'll become completely irrelevant as per Tuesday. The AP and the co- uh, coaches poll will both come out tomorrow. Yeah. What, any movement whatsoever? How how high does Michigan State jump up off that win does Cincinnati's lackluster win cost them a spot at this stage? I know it's irrelevant, but uh, we, we've we been debating uh, the last seven weeks, so why wouldn't we debate this one as well? What kind of movement, if all, uh, if at all, do you think we'll see yeah, in the rankings? Yeah, it It should. I know I've been – look, Cincinnati's great. I, I'm dogging them left and right here uh, because we're, we're talking about – we're splitting hairs between the elite of the elite of the elite teams. But it's a great team. It really is. It's not the number two team in the country. Uh, and the, the argument of last week is everyone – what I'm convinced is the voters on both sides, AP and the coaches, haven't really watched Cincinnati since the win over Notre Dame because if they did, everyone watched Oklahoma and Kansas. And they go, oh my gosh, you know, Oklahoma struggled that much with a horrific Kansas team. We have to, you know, we have to punish them. They still won by double digits at the end. They put up 35 points in the second half. And I know, you know, to your point of style points, wasn't always pretty, but final score was great. Cincinnati beat a one-win Navy team by seven, and they moved up to number two. So the, the, the methodology here with these voters is a tad bit off. If it were me, I think you kind of almost have to consider at this point just saying, look, I, we know Alabama lost the game. That's the second-best team in the country. I'm a results-based guy when it comes to rankings. But it's kind of hard at this point not to look at the the landscape and go, what are we doing here? Alabama's the second-best team. That's not a fair way to look at this. So until then, if you want to put Michigan State there, I'm good. They got their one big win. They're still undefeated. I'm comfortable with that. And even Oklahoma, I, I know the Kansas win was rough, and they've been a rocky team. They belong up there. But like you said, this is really important only for a couple more days and Tuesday night. Then it just becomes a nice, fun exercise for those two. I do like the exercise. All right. A um, couple <laughs> quickies. We'll let you run. Two major openings at uh, head coach positions going into next year that have already been determined, USC and LSU. 
do you think they've got, I'm sure that they've got uh, leanings and they've got uh, people they want to talk to and they uh, expect could be interested in their position. Either one of them pull a surprise and uh, really let something either leak out or maybe there's someone who's not coaching right now. I find that very hard to believe, but uh, you never know. Um, uh, how are the USC and LSU jobs going to play out? I the part of the problem is is that James Franklin's team isn't doing all that well. He's the guy for USC. I, he's never really received enough credit for what he's been able to do. Uh, first at Vanderbilt, he took Vanderbilt to two nine win seasons and two bowl games, uh, and then he took over a Penn State program that at the time uh, was hamstrung by bowl sanctions. There was even it was never going to happen, but there was at least the words death and penalty being thrown out there when he took over uh, after everything that happened and then Bill O'Brien era and then everything. So he's been great. He's got the personality. He can recruit. I don't know if it's an easy sell because of just how mediocre the team's been over the last two years. The guy I think, I think he's U.S. That, that's probably your pick for USC. And the crazy part is the right pick for USC will never happen because it's Lane Kiffin and they're not going to take him back. Uh, but they're definitely going to go with a big name. The problem for LSU is they threw the name out Dabo Sweeney, which isn't going to happen. And that's where you set the bar at if you're the LSU coach. Uh, you know, we're going to go as big as possible. And the problem with every single big fan base is they think they can get anybody. And I'm not joking when I say, you know, name the big giant fan base. And at one point they said, oh, we can get Nick Saban. We can get a Harbaugh. We can get any. We can get anybody we want here because who doesn't want a coach here? I think the guy for that gig. Look at what Dave Aranda is doing at Baylor. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator for that national championship uh, season of a couple years ago. Uh, took over last year, and obviously a weird year all the way around for everybody, and had to rebuild. And he's got Baylor right deep in the thick of the uh, Big Twelve championship chase now. He is, he's proven he's, you know, he can do this. He can prove he can adapt. He proved he can adjust. He's got a couple of years of, uh, of head coaching ability under his belt, along with being a, a phenomenal defensive coordinator. I kind of think if you're LSU, that's going to be kind of the hot name that's going to come around quickly as long as Baylor keeps winning. And I think LSU might want to have ties to that championship pass of a couple of years ago. Uh, he's a relatively young guy. I think that's the guy who probably will be at the top of the list very, very soon for LSU. All right. Let me let me throw one wild card at you for LSU, and please feel free to shoot it down immediately. <laughs> What's the chance of Jimbo Fisher getting out of Texas A&M and going to LSU? I, the, I, again, I, the other quirky part about whenever you have these coaching things happen is every coach wants to be on the list of, oh, potential guys. Everyone wants people like me to like write the list of the five best options, you know, because then the agent goes, see, look, he's a hot head coaching option. The problem with the Jimbo Fisher situation is he's getting paid too much guaranteed money for Texas A&M. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why he would want to leave one headache for another. Uh, Cause if you're already dealing with the SEC West and you're already dealing with a, a program that's absolutely bound by nothing, it's not like, he can't do the things at Texas A&M that he could do at LSU. Uh, he's still got everything there for the taking. And he's got a guaranteed contract where they pretty much can't fire him without owing him 
you know, $100 million or something crazy like that. So I don't think he would want to do that. I think he likes his name being thrown out there in this conversation because then the agent can put, put hey, look, let's, give, let's throw another year of guaranteed money on that mix because he is a hot candidate. Uh, but it's not crazy, but I don't think it's going to work out financially. All right. If uh, that's exactly what happens and Jimbo gets another year tacked on, he better send me at least a uh, six-pack of beer. Yeah. That's all I'm asking oh, for. Exactly. Is, I, would a, you know, a tray of brownies or something be too <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the suds over the brownies, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, great stuff, Pete. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll get you on when we get a little bit closer to uh, figuring out the exact four teams that are going to make the playoffs. Thanks for jumping on with us tonight. You got it. You have a great night. That is uh, Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com uh, giving us some real strong opinions. That's what we like about Pete. Not afraid to call it the way he sees it. I'll call it the way I see it if you do it too. You got to get on my phone lines and go back and forth. Clear them out uh, when we punch Pete up so you move right to the top of the list. If you hit me up now, 855-212-4227. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's better after investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.